and welcome to Season 3 of Power Band Podcast, a New Zealand motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. Season 3 brought to you free and without a paywall thanks to the good folks at Motomuck. Check out motomuck.co.nz. More about how you can save uh, massive money, get a big discount on your next Motomuck purchase later on. This is Episode 9, the penultimate episode of Season 3. My name is Raymond Heron. Joining me is co-host Matthew Day Gillett. And content creator, editor and fellow podcaster, you might know him as the ex-editor of DRD, uh, now running thedirt.co.nz. Please welcome Chris Power. Yeah. <laughs> Good to have you along, man. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. It's nice to be invited. Um, I've listened to the podcast a few times and uh, look, I love dirt bikes. I love bikes in general. I love gear. I love riding, man. I just get involved in anything. Nice. What was last time I saw you, we were uh, having a cruise down the Raglan coastline on a couple of, well, I was on my bike and you had uh, a nice uh, grunty husky to play with. I had the 701. Yes, we did an awesome trip around, uh, I don't remember what that mountain's called, but we got to Raglan, hit the coastline and a little bit of beach, sneaky beach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good fun. Yeah, even me getting stuck trying to get off the beach, but thankfully you were there to pull me out. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you had good tyres uh, for uh, light adventure riding, I think, but when the going got tough, yeah, you needed a few knobs on the back there, I think. Yeah, well, more speed, but uh, yeah, a bit hard to do on a 250 with 24 horses. <laughs> no, that's fair, that's fair. Now, Chris, uh, this is the first time I've spoken to you in person, but last time we talked on the internet, um, you ripped us a new one, which is fair cool, fair dues, to, to be honest, um, because we mentioned in the podcast, which we couldn't we couldn't not mention, Graham Jarvis taking the win at the Erzberg Rodeo, but uh, you mentioned there were a couple of New Zealand riders and the fact that we basically didn't know what we were talking about, which is, is to be fair, quite honest. So, Matt and I, we both have great admiration of the Hard Enduro riders in the West series, names like Johnny Walker, Alfredo Gomez, uh, Billy Bolt, and of course, Graham Jarvis. Though being a new father myself and a full-time job, I've, as fascinating as Hard Enduro is, you know, Erzberg and Red Bull Romaniacs, I never find time to actually get a chance to watch it and sit down and analyse it properly for the podcast. So Chris, can you break down, being, you know, right into dirt yourself, what is the West series? Well, the West is the Word Enduro Super Series, basically, and what someone has done is I've decided that the World Enduro Champs weren't working. The standalone Hard Enduro Champ, uh, Hard Enduros are cool, but you don't really get a lot of, apart from one-off praise, I suppose, there's not a lot of uh, backing for the series, I you might call it. So this, whoever it was designed the West Series. So he's brought a whole lot of uh, already established events together, like Erzberg, uh, like a couple of Enduro rounds, and a couple of cross-country rounds, and sort of just amalgamated them all um, how would you say, like inverted commas into into their own sort of uh, series and he adds the points up from all of those independent uh, events and you get a World Enduro Super Series champ. Brilliant. So we're in the uh, 2019 round now, 2019 season. Uh, how many rounds have we had already? We've had one, two, three, four, uh, four rounds. So the 21st of June was the last one, was the Hispania Hard Enduro. Wow. Okay. And and how many have we got to go? We've got uh, four more to go. So the next one up is the Red Bull Romaniacs. Obviously, that's the, probably one of the bigger ones of the event. Then they go to a cross-country, uh, Hawkstone Park. Then it's the actual Enduro, Sol Sana. And then the last one's another hard enduro in the Gittins Rodeo. Okay, so take the whole season into account, the whole West series as it's known now, W-E-S-S. What's your favourite event? Uh, well, the, the first one's pretty cool, Extreme XL Largus, because the prologue is 
is different. They actually put you through the water. And actually, Johnny Walker fell into the water during the prologue. I think I saw a video of this on um, Facebook or yeah, something. Of was that like they had a floating barge and he went off the side? Yeah, they've got like, it's almost like floating um, crates or pontoons or something that you sort of got to wiggle around. And he just messed it up and went straight in the drink. He was like only a couple of metres from the actual shoreline at that point too, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it was the last lap and he was pretty close. He was, I think he was in third or something, chasing down the front guys. And yeah, just went, went off. He's actually got a cool helmet cam video of it and you see him just going into the water. Oh, gutted. Yeah, he wouldn't be too happy with that. But uh, the big ones are probably the uh, Red Bull Hair Scramble, Erzberg, as you know, and the Romaniacs. Those are probably the two standouts. Um, what about that? They do a really cool one next to a power station in Poland, don't they? Um, it's not megawatt. Is that part of Wes? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. Ah. So I, I don't know where they pick or how they pick the rounds, but whoever decided to run the West picks these rounds in particular. And yeah, actually, KDM are getting right behind it. They're actually sending a team to every round. And did you know they're not actually they're not competing in the World Enduro Series officially? Ah, I did not know that. The last round of last year was a really, really good round. That was uh, on the sand uh, on a beach. Uh, I can't remember if it was in the UK or the US, but man, it was a it was a really really uh, exciting um, round to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hard and stuff's really cool. It, I, it gets me up in the well. That Erzberg uh, was up at I think one o'clock or something trying to watch the race live, just because it's so good to watch. And and if you go on social media. You end up knowing the results before you get to watch it. Yeah, you mentioned after the Erzberg round uh, that you, we had a couple of Kiwis racing. Can you tell us who they were and how they went at Erzberg? Yeah, yeah, I can. One qualified on the front row, I believe that was Dylan Yearberry. And then the other two riders were uh, Tom Buxton and Mackenzie Wig. And they're actually over there for about three months stint. They're working with the guys who put on the uh, Red Bull Romaniacs. They're actually helping mark out the course. And that's a big, it's a big uh, get-together with a guy called uh, Mike Skinner. He's over there. And so they spend three months over there marking out the Red Bull Romaniacs tracks. And for their troubles, they get a little bit of money and they get free entry to Erzberg. Man, imagine that, marking out a, uh, a hard enduro. That'd be amazing. Oh, look, it's for those kids, it's a dream come true. They get to go hard enduro riding for three months in crazy, amazing terrain. And they get to ride the uh, Erzberg Rodeo for free. So why not? So where's series? Where's the best place to watch it apart from being live on site, obviously? Yeah, it's tricky. Anything that's... Uh, sponsored by Red Bull you can get that on Red Bull TV which is a, a free app you can watch online or it's, if you've got Apple TV it's pretty easy to watch too the rest of them that's tricky usually you've got to find some YouTube clips or so that's the only bad thing about everything in Europe it's just hard to watch yeah it seems that if it's not rugby racing or beer it's not free to wear on Sky in New Zealand is it no that's right and even Sky is not free to wear either so Brilliant. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, Wes, it's, um, it's, it's so, it's very interesting to watch. Is there a sort of bike that does well in, obviously the, the events, they're very different events and they're made up of different styles of riding. Uh, and unless you're Graham Jarvis, you don't stand a, a hope of winning every single one of them. Is there a sort of bike that, that does well across the board? Generally, your 300cc two strokes is what these guys are going to lean towards especially for the hard enduro stuff, uh, the, the tricky stuff where there's going to be lots of groveling, that 300cc two-strokes, pretty much the one. But because the West Series is over a whole lot of different rounds, these guys can ride a different bike at each round depending on the track. So it is a bit of a horses for courses uh, series. Oh, brilliant. So they do get the chance to, to tailor their bike or, or even change it entirely to, depending on the, the style of riding that they're going to be doing. That's right. So Alfredo Gomez, he rode a 300cc 
at Erzberg, but I've seen him last year running some of their hair scramble events, the faster ones, riding a 250 or 350 four-stroke. So like I say, it depends what kind of riding you're doing. If it's going to be hard and pushy, usually they're on a 300 two-stroke. If it's fast and open racing, it's usually a four-stroke. Wade Young, he rides for Shirko, I think, South African dude. Um, he seems to be pretty hot stuff, or at least uh, up and coming. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's a, he's a real strong lad, actually. He's won the um, River Africa a few times. Obviously, it's his hometown. He recently was winning the Erzberg Rodeo uh, for, a, for a little while, actually, until he got overtaken by Manny Lindenbickler and, in the end, of course, Graham Jarvis, who ends up winning, who's... 45, I think, so... He's good a freak, as these, isn't he? Oh, it's crazy. As good as these kids are when they're coming up, especially that kid, Manny Lentenbeckler, and, like you say, um, Wade Young, on that really tough stuff, that old dude, Graham Jarvis, he's, he's tough to beat. And he is an old dude, too. Like, no no offence to him. He sees it himself. He's surprised that he's still going. He's in... He, what is he? Mid to f- late 40s? Yeah, he's about 45, 46, and it's, I think that's his fifth official Erzberg rodeo win and he's won three more times but he got disqualified those three Jeez, how do you get disqualified you miss too many yeah missed a checkpoint you missed one checkpoint uh, oh. got, got to the end didn't know until he got to the end and got the got the news and that was it three times oh that would just totally get your panties in a knot wouldn't it yeah you'd be, be pretty angry <laughs> after that because the way these checkpoints work aren't they done like by like some kind of like you don't physically go through and like sign a piece of paper or something do you it's like electronic yeah they turn up and there's some kind of um reader behind their number so someone's got like a, a card reader of such they put it on the front number board and i guess they wait till it flashes green or whatever and then they go so i guess you've got to you got to rely on the people doing the right job but um those three times apparently it is completely like missed a check, like just didn't see it or something like that. So, oh, yeah. man, that suck. At, at Erzberg this year, I did see there was one dude, I couldn't tell you who it was or where in the in the race it was, but he was riding along as a couple of them, and he was he was looking in the trees trying to find out where in the trees he actually needed to go, and he was yelling at people, where's the next checkpoint? Where do I need to go? He had to go up, make his own track through the trees, and then there's a couple of guys with a scanner. Yeah, look, if you miss it, that's, that's your. they don't care. It's your whole race. You're, like I say, Graham won it three times. He's the best hardened drawer in the world, rider. And he missed it, and they were like, tough luck, mate. That's rough. That's rough. So uh, are, there, are all the races like six hours long, or do they, they range in, in length? What's the story there? Yeah, well, they range in length. Usually they give you – usually the hardened drawers, they give you a time limit, especially like Erzberg or Red Bull Maniacs. They'll just give you as long as it takes you to finish it. Uh, but a lot of the cross countries obviously are timed, or classic enduros or regular enduros. They're all runoff uh, enduro timing, so – like I say, it's a whole lot of different in, enduro off-road riding that's supposed to decide who is the best complete racer. Now, we had um, we had Natasha Kins on, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she was telling us all about enduros. You've used the term hard enduros. What What is the difference between an enduro, a hard enduro, and, and you know, the different terminology? What does that mean? Well, basically, a regular enduro would be uh, unlike a car rally. So you've got special tests where you've got to go as quick as you can, time sections where you've just got to ride at a reasonable pace and then at the end of the day whoever's got fastest through the test sort of wins just like a rally whereas a hard enduro it's pretty much that it's an a track just like an enduro but they've just made it hard so you've got hills that you usually have to push up uh, it's really taxing on the body and it's just a heck of a lot more tiring and exhausting 
and harder terrain. So yes, hence the word hard enduring. Okay, well that's uh, that's kind of caught us up on on what Wes is all about. Uh, so thank you very much, and thanks for for calling us out on the fact that we obviously didn't do our research uh, following the Erzberg round, and uh, you know, and, and 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 bringing it to our attention. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. It was just a, I wanted to know more myself, and I'm, and if I do, other people do too. You know, so it's always good to get a little bit more of a in depth when you can. But look, you guys have got like the motorcycling industries. So vast on events, bikes, people, like you, you just can't cover everything. Yeah, especially when you got two one, under one-year-olds at home. <laughs> oh, look, I wouldn't know, thankfully. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, most brands have or are about to drop their, the details on their, their 2020 dirt bikes. Now, we've talked about the uh, the Hondas. Uh, we've, we, we actually plagiarised your story, but we credited the dirt.co.nz for the Suzukis. Uh, we've seen KTM and Husky bring out their the details on their 2020 and kawasaki have recently um released the details on their 2020 dirt bikes as well i wonder if we could just have a, an open table table discussion uh because i think we had um uh, kiwi rider editor ben wilkins with us when we talked about the suzuki 2020 bikes and basically that the long and skinny of it was that we didn't see anything in the press release that that kind of was new and exciting it was same old, same old. Uh, we've we've done something a bit exciting with this, but really, when you drill deep down into it, it was the same kind of bike with some new decals. Um, twenty twenty. What, what's new and exciting as far as dirt bikes goes? Well, for me, a couple of things definitely stand out. Uh, Kawasaki, I suppose the, that new two fifty is not all new, but it's probably half new. The, the two fifty. The KX or the. Yeah, the KX, KX250, that's all, that's half new, uh, and it hasn't got electric start, which um, which tells me that they've sort of done something to keep people happy, but this isn't the bike that they really want to release, because every other bike's got electric start bar Suzuki, so you'd be silly not to put it on if you're going to bring out a new model, you know? Yeah. What do you think of, because um, I've been looking at the releases very well, not very in-depth like, but um, you've got a new KLX300R from um, Kawasaki. So I'm guessing that's the first sort of more enduro or trail riding bike that they put out in quite a while because everything I've seen on their website for the last couple of years has been very MX-focused. Yeah, it has. And, and like Suzuki, Kawasaki have sort of diminished their range, I guess, over the last 10 or 15 years, like having two mm-hmm. strokes and now not. And so the KLX 300R is, um, it looks looks like it could be a cool bike, uh, but if you dig down real deep, it is the old KLX 300R, exactly the same, apart from the engine is now fuel injected, and it's got a whole new look to it. So I looked at that engine, it looks like the, um, what is it, the DRZ Suzuki derived engine that they ran for a while, Cause didn't they do a KLX 400 based on a DRZ 400? Look, Suzuki and Kawasaki have been crossing over for years, as you know, probably with the, the release of their first 250 motocrosser, which was the exact same bike, just different plastic. Oh, wow, so did, did not so, know that. Oh, so the first Kawasaki 250F and Suzuki 250F, exact same bike, just different plastic. So, yeah. Wow, that's a weird way of, like, I suppose that's Japan, who they would have been going after, what, Honda and Yamaha, and they've sort of decided to make the playing field a bit more even or something. Yeah, I think they just really needed to get in the game because in the racing side of things, those uh, they had to race their 125 against the 250s and they just had nothing. So I think the two must have got together and just slapped something out real quick to get in, in the actual market. And then I think it was three or four years later, I'm not positive, they uh, went their separate ways and started making their own bikes. Man, that's fascinating, eh? Like, you 
don't see too often that kind of thing happening these days. So there's something no. in the back of my head saying that something similar has recently happened. I can't remember if it was. I know it happens in the car world. If you take um, you take Mitsubishi's uh, ASX and Outlanders, uh, Peugeot's uh, SUV offering is base is the same car with some different shaped you know bumpers and bits and pieces like that, but it is the same car. Yeah, so the KLX, like I said, three hundred R is the same bike that's now fuel injected. It looks a heck of a lot cooler, but I still think it's gonna going to be a good bike. It's a little bit heavy. I think it runs in at about 130-ish kgs, maybe a little bit more. So it's not a small bike, but um, I can imagine it's going to be pretty smooth. And look, for Kawasaki lovers, it's probably going to be a cool bike. Yeah, price is probably going to be all right as well, considering it's not hugely new tech that they've employed there. Like it's, what, a steel perimeter frame? It's not like an alloy frame like you get on the Yamahas. And the, um... Yeah, I think it could be nice, nicely priced too. And I think uh, the better price it is, the more they're going to sell it. I've been following this website, thedirt.co.nz. You might have heard about it. Um, there's a new story up there at the moment saying the new CRF250F um, is kind of like Honda bringing back the XR250 and could even be the 230 killer. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, that was my that was my bike for the, for the Honda brand that I think is going to be quite cool. The 230 is... The most underrated bike, I think, ever. We're talking about the CRF 230, yeah? Yeah, yeah, the CRF 230. Mm. The, the one that you would have given the wife if she wanted a 250, but wasn't tall enough. Well, exactly. the one that you put a colleague that can't ride dirt bikes and you throw them on a motocross <laughs> track for the first time with. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, all of those things get a tick from me. They are I, I went further up. Uh, the the Ekaterra is between, um, between uh, Upper Hutt and Carpety Coast. Uh, I went further up the Rock Garden on a CRF 230 than I ever did on my old CRF 2 250R. Look, that's that's no surprise. The the 230 is uh, low low gravity. It's easy to stand up on. It's quite short for the normal person. It's got torque like for days. Like we use these for marking out in trails, and farmers use them. They get a thousand hours out of them without even taking the head off. They're just they're completely bulletproof. And this new 250F is just I think they've just raised the bar a bit more on that 230. <laughs> and I think if you're a smart person, you'd probably go for the 250F over the 230, but then again, depending on how reliable it's going to be. Now, this was on display at field days, yeah? Sorry, yeah, it was. Yeah, I went there, uh, checked it out, and it was it was like a cool look. It looks better than the 230. It's got that uh, CRF motocrosser look to it. It's fuel injected. Uh, it's got the rear disc brake where the 230's got the, the drum brake, and it's got bigger forks, so the suspension's going to be better. It's, they're adjustable, so it's got a whole lot of extra stuff that the 230 doesn't have while still having that low centre of gravity. The only thing that might actually kill it is the price. I don't know the price on it, but it's assuming it's going to be quite a bit more than the 230. Mm, it's a cool-looking bike. i got to agree with you there. Like, so I just um, was searching Trade Me because I had the idea in my head, oh, a trail bike would be nice. Um, CRF 250F, according to um, a Honda dealer in the wire wrapper, will be priced at 8990 Um Yeah, so CRF 250F, the brand new one, overtake, overshadowing the 230, and that's like within a grand. So like within a grand of the two thirty. Like yeah, it seems pretty crazy to me, really. But um, yeah, that's not stupid money to be honest. Like that's 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 worth an upgrade <coughs> for me for sure. Assuming it's as reliable as a two thirty, then yeah, I'd look shut up and take my money. Yeah. So there's a two brand new two thousand eighteen model. So not a 2019-2020 thing. Um, Seven nine nine five isn't what a Honda dealer has um, the brand a brand new two thirty for. So for a grand more, 
you get a shit ton more bike, don't you? So eight eight grand for a CRF two thirty, nine grand for a CRF. 250F. 250F. Both 20, well, 2018, 2019, 2019, 2020 models. Like, I'd be kind of, yeah, definitely, like, if I had the money, which I don't, sadly, <laughs> and I've also got no way of transporting a dirt bike. Um, but, yeah, that seems like a, um, but it's a bit of a, a kind of Gumby-looking bike, isn't it, the 230F? It's not the most exciting thing to look at. It's definitely not as aggressive as a, t- as a CRF 250. No, it's not, and I think it gets a bad rap because of that. Like, people say, oh, what's what's a good bike to learn on? And I say, oh, 230's like, if you can touch the ground on 230, like, do it. It's a little bit heavy, yeah, but the power is so smooth and it will go anywhere you want it to go. And it's top speed's fast enough that people look at it and they go, ah, oh, I don't know about that. It looks too farmy. I just don't like the look of it. Oh, 230, no way. I've got to get a got to get something better. But the majority of people, like, you put, you put Cody Cooper on a 230, he'll outride anyone on just about any bike there is out there, you know? So it's not like it's underperforming. It's just that people have the stigma about 230s not being cool, I suppose. So say I was going, looking at buying a bike to go start trail riding because I'm insanely jealous of all the trail rides radars. You'd probably say, for me, get a 230. I would say get that 250. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if, you're a Honda, if you're a Honda lover, that 250, I haven't ridden it, but it's not a lot taller than the 230, but I think... Better suspension, fuel injected, uh, it's still air cooled, which means you really don't have to worry about the motor. I think uh, I'm that's out of the Honda range. I think that's the one I'm really keen to actually get a ride on. Yeah, I'd be keen to come along, uh, help you out with photos again if that was the case, because I wouldn't mind to go on it as well. But uh, we'll see what happens, eh? Yeah, definitely. Another one I think is uh, a cool bike from Yamaha is the YZ125X. So it's their first cross country. Uh, small bore two stroke. It's basically just a YZ125 with 18 inch rear wheel uh, side stand. Uh, different gearbox ratios, I think, and a little bit of different engine power valve release opening points or something like that. Yeah, and I was talking to the marketing guy at Yamaha Motor NZ and he was. He wasn't able to articulate the changes, but like they were small and numerous, basically, is what he said. Yeah, that's right. Small and just to make it a little bit more less <coughs> aggressive, I think, and a bit more user-friendly uh, for the bush. There's a new cylinder head on that one too, isn't there? I, I wrote it. I put a story on the online about that, actually, and I forget. I, when I say this, I'm, I'm reading the dirt <laughs> now. Uh, there's a new cylinder head, uh, lower compression head with a different combustion chamber shape, making the two-stroke more rideable, uh, CDI as well, uh, KYB suspension. You, see, you mentioned the 18-inch rear wheel. Yep, yep, all that stuff. So all the good things of the motocrosser, I think just – Ticked back a few a few notches to make it a bit more user friendly for the bush. Yeah. Have you been on the spike? No, no, I haven't. I saw one at field days. I only had one there, um, and I don't know when I can get on it. But man, give me a give me a call. What what sort of rider is this going to be for? Is this going to be for your weekend warrior motocross track? Or are they doing trails? How tall are they? Uh, you know, uh, dumb it down for us. Yeah, well, it's still a, Yamaha, still a tall bike, so it's not going to be for your. Uh, small juniors coming up so it's they kind of needed something for the bush for coming off uh, like a YZ85 if they're doing enduros and they want to go on to something a bit bigger where a 250F isn't going to work and they don't want to go straight to a 125 two stroke the motocross version and it just has all the extras you need like a side stand like nothing worse than riding enduro and having to find a place to park your bike like side stands I think should be on 
every bike because they're just so handy. And eighteen. That was my big thing going from a CRF to to my next bike was riding with the wife. When she bin the bike, I have to go find a tree to lean mine up against to go and help her. <laughs> oh, it's just so just the small things are so underrated. Like I used to put uh, side stands on my motocross bike for riding just because. Yeah, I don't want to lie my bike on the ground. I have to pick it up all the time. And that 18-inch rear wheel just gives you so much more choice and tyre. And the bigger sideball just it, it helps out with riding over obstacles. Also, uh, I see uh, Suzuki have new offerings. We mentioned this um, in the in the warm-up to the, doing this podcast, uh, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And, and I think from the press release, we kind of decided there probably wasn't a who of a lot of changes. But you being a more discerning dirt rider, can you talk us through the 2020 RMZ 250? Yeah, sure can. Uh, so new, for, new for 2020 is uh, bold new graphics. <laughs> is that seriously all there is? <laughs> That's all there is. That's what I've uh, investigated about, and it's what I've found, and I can't find any other changes uh, apart from fancy new stickers. Now, is this a, is this Suzuki saying, uh, "Don't break something that ain't broken. Don't fix something that ain't broken," or you know, are they are they gearing up for a, a big leap in their next generation bike, or are they just sitting on their laurels? Yeah, I really don't know. Suzuki's tricky because. Uh, they usually take a while to upgrade their models. I mean, they do. It's not huge. Uh, the RMZ 250 has been around for a while. It's a good, don't get me wrong, great bike. It's just uh, it's a bit underpowered. It really needs a bit more power if you put it against, say, especially the KDM and the um, Yamaha. They just it's blowed, out, blowed out the water with the power. Great hand. Now, when you say more power, are we talking uh, MX1 riders are going to notice this, or are we talking your weekend warriors are going to notice this? No, I think everyone's everyone will notice it. Yeah, if you put it in a drag race, it's probably going to come. I, you know, depending on the rider, of course, it's probably going to come last if it was the same rider every time. It's just a bit underpowered, and that's not just me saying that. That's everybody around the world saying that. You know, and there's sadly there's a reason why you watch AMA motocross outdoors. The first Suzuki is usually in about fifteenth or sixteenth place. Fair call. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds horrible, but um, and <laughs> it probably is because they could be gearing up to do something really cool. Because Suzuki is notoriously handled amazing, as you say, it's not all about power. It really is about the rider. So again, you put a good rider on, he's going to ride it fast. But if you compare it apples to apples against other bikes, it's just a little bit underpowered. And then um, back in May, there was uh, from from northern Spain the world launch of the 2020 uh, KTM EXC models. Yeah, so um, they're all going fuel injection. Like everything, everything from KDM and Husqvarna are going fuel injection, bar the motocross two-stroke, which is pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. What about it when you're looking online at forums or whatever, and guys call them WRF two fifties? Does that really rip, Does it really rip your panties? Yeah, but like, because it's like I know it's sort of easier to go W WRF like da da da, and then do your two fifty sort of thing, but. Yeah, maybe it's just from all that sub-editing I used to do. Is it is is, is it the OCD? It's like, no, the F goes at the yeah, end. Yeah, I think it might be that case, and it oh, does my head in. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I just, because I, I know, I just, I'll just say WR250. I wouldn't even put the F in, I don't think, because there's, there's no WR250 anything else, you know what I mean? Well, you got the WR250R, don't forget, the road oh, version. Yeah, always forget about that one. Yeah. Although, great bike, great bike, but yeah, I have... Um, yeah. Great bike if you can get a test ride on one of them. Having said that, uh, <laughs> I was lucky enough to do the official Australasian launch down in uh, Queenstown area for that, so that was pretty Oh, lucky. back in the day? Back yeah, in the day. What, 2000. 
eight those those came out. Like I was really keen when um like I've told you guys the story already, but like when I was looking at buying the rally, I wanted to ride the KLX 250S and a WR 250R to make sure I was getting the right bike. Couldn't get a brand new KLX 250S to ride, but the local dealer got me a Carby version, and the only thing they've changed is fuel injection to the motor on the Carby. Went to the local Yammy dealer, and I don't know, maybe it's because I had the baby in a pram with me. Walked in and said, oh, I'd like to test ride a WR 250R. Um, I'm quite keen on giving one a go, and it might be the bike for me. Oh, sorry, no test rides. Great, that's how, a great way to sell a bike, mate. That is a great way, but to be fair, that rally is the coolest looking of the three, for sure. Yeah, and it does have a switchable ABS as well, which uh, when you do as many road miles as me and you've had the uh, the pleasure of locking up your brakes and nearly crashing into a truck, um, you do appreciate having ABS to back you up. Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> I haven't ever... <laughs> Tried to crash into a truck, but I mean, I'm sure it's horrible. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not a thing you want to try. I've only ever ridden two bikes with ABS. One was on when I was on the Ride Forever Silver course, and the instructor said, "Your bike doesn't have ABS. Try mine." And he, and he got me to accelerate in a straight long line and then slammed the brakes on as hard as I could just to see what it did. And the only other bike I've ever ridden with ABS was that um, 790 Venture R, which I turned the ABS off anyway. Wait, so your um, amazing, brilliant MT-07 doesn't have ABS? No, nah, it's the first model. They, they came out for about oh, 18 months or something, came into the country before they added ABS to them. Far out. It's crazy. I don't know why. In my head, it was just like... It's- Every road bike that's come out in the last few years is ABS is like, eh, it's. But remembering, I got the first MT07 in the country. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Um, I still have no <laughs> idea how the heck you could have parted with that much money um, and bought a bike sight unseen before they were even in the freaking country. Yeah, but when you when you come on, have you ever been fizzed up about a bike so much that you just is is this what you're saying to me that you've never been that excited and read that many reviews and seen that many videos about it that all scream amazing bike that you can't just go, yep, I'm having it. No, I, I suppose I'm just too careful with my money. <laughs> like, because wow. you might just sit on it yourself and you just go, oh, actually, my like this thing like hurts my ass or. Um, oh, it's a bit cramped for me, or I don't know. I, I want to ride something before I buy it. It might be the fact I'm a less discerning rider, or it might have been the fact that at the time, the only bikes that I'd ever, 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 ever written, ridden was a CRF 250R, a 90, uh, 2006 model, a uh, 1986 VT250F, and a GW250, which was a hunk of crap. <laughs> so anything with a bigger engine than that is going to make up for the fact that it might be sli- slightly uncomfortable. True that. Yeah, you're, uh, you really do hate that uh, GW, don't you? <laughs> Have you ridden one? Uh, no, but I've ridden uh, a bike that's based on it. Um, and underwhelming is probably the catchword for that engine. But I think I used the, the term um, on a Taranaki trip adequate but nothing more yeah don't get me wrong if you're brand new to riding and all you need to do is get from a to b home to work and work to home then it'll do the job but don't expect it to do an amazing big long trip and be happy about it and be comfortable and and instill you with the the vim and the vigor and the excitement of of riding yeah (laughs) which is what i expected it to do when i bought it and did it do that no, it fell over in the Christchurch Square with a gust of wind. <laughs> okay, well, to, to be fair, I would buy Sight Unseen 
a Tenere 700. So would I. I'm in that boat. Oh, man, I just, I'd say shut up and take my money if I had it. I've kind of gotten close to feeling that way, but, yeah, I don't have the, what is it, 17 grand to buy that bike? Well, yeah. I don't know I've been accused of being a Yamaha fanboy and being way too excited about the T7. However, Chris, we haven't heard you on the podcast before. You've obviously ridden a lot of bikes and you've, um, you, you write about them, the dirt.co.nz. I don't know if I mentioned that yet or not. <laughs> no. What is it about the T7, the Tenere 700, that, that, that excites you? Well, I nearly bought a Tenere uh, 660 uh, recently. <laughs> I didn't because I needed an actual vehicle car, so sadly I couldn't. So the Tenere 660, I, need, I wanted one of those, and I've actually ridden one. I've actually um, <laughs> actually high-sided one, thrown it down the gravel. Oh, jeez, um, that would have hurt. Did you own it at the time? No, it was a test bike too, so I mean. Oh. So you almost owned it at the end of it. Well, thankfully I had a, a lovely man called Peter Payne who was running Yamaha at the time. He was very understanding. Uh, and I loved it. I loved it. And it, well, everything I've seen about the, the T7, the new one, is it just looks cool. It's got that look that I like. It's got the, the, the long, long, long forks. It looks like they'll go forever. And the front, the whole cowling at the front, it oh, it just looks, in my opinion, it looks better than any of the KDMs or Huskies that have come out. But that's just because that's the look I like. It's more off-road. It's more aggressive. Um, and, yeah, like I said, if I had money to burn, I'd, I'd throw it at the dealer and say, give me one as soon as you can. Have you re-ridden the MT-07? I have not. I have not ridden that engine at all, actually. Oh. See, I've ridden the, the Lambs and the HO, and... Like, there's not actually a hell of a lot of difference in terms of how they ride um, because that Lambs engine's just so well designed. Like, you wouldn't know it's a Lambs engine. Um, and yeah, like, it's a. Is it noticeable? Like, the difference between the, 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 the Lambs and the HO engine, is it noticeable? Is it the seat of, seat of the pantsometer? Or yeah, what? like, it, like, you've definitely got more go, but like, if jumped on a bike. And you said, all right, this is an uh, MT-07. You didn't say if it was an HO or a Lambs bike for someone that's never ridden one before. They wouldn't really know the difference if you whack them on a Lambs bike because they're like they're that well sorted, I guess you'd say. That's interesting because my old one and my new one, the only difference between them, exactly the same year, the only difference is the different colour. The new one has... Um, has a K&N panel filter and a couple of modifications to the the intake. Uh, exactly the same exhaust on the two bikes, but the new one has, by way and afar, a whole lot more power. And they're both Lambs bikes. Like I, I can get, I can get the front end up in first, second, and third on the new one. I could barely get it up in first maybe second on a really good day on the old one. Wasn't that a, temp, a thing of practice, though? Because you're doing a fair bit of that on the Taranaki, right? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't ridden the, the high-output one, but I'm 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 so keen to get on a, a T7, and it's great to hear that someone else has actually fizzed up about it as well. So it's not just my Yamaha fanboy side coming out. Mm, and no, it's a hell of a good-looking bike too, isn't it? Oh, like man. that... Um, so rally cowling with the four leds behind it it just looks epic plus the long long like it looks like a proper dirt bike seat but apparently it's actually quite comfortable um, like weird thing to bring up i know the seat but like it looks really purposeful where like it's kind of like comparing yeah uh, what is it something blue a glass of water and an orange um but the 790 it you can't really say it's a pretty looking bike and it does look a bit weird um, but the way it's been styled, but conventionally handsome, I guess you'd say the uh, T7 would be. Oh, definitely. And you see, they just released that uh, 790 Adventure R Rally. 
Yeah, limited to 500 units. So those will sell out just as fast as the 790 in general has, I imagine. I haven't caught up with that, but I have ridden the 790 Adventure R. What's the difference? Well, I just all I've seen is what uh, actually Chris Birch has been posting on his Instagram, uh, putting out some wicked Insta bangers on this machine. It's got like a nicely, really cool, low-slung uh, exhaust. All I can tell you is that it looks a lot cooler than the regular Adventure R. And I think it's got, got a, a factory acro as well. Oh, it looks it looks good. It looks good. Yeah. Now, Chris, you've been you've been recently out riding um, the the uh, Husqvarna seven hundred one Enduro, yeah. What can you tell us about that bike? Uh, that's the bike you want to get if you still uh, are in denial about liking the venture riding. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting way of putting oh, look, it. I've, for forever, I've been like, oh, venture riding, yeah, that's kind of cool, but it's not cool. <laughs> and that seven hundred one looks enough dirt bikey for me. For me to be like, yeah, I could call myself an adventure rider now. I don't mind because this thing actually looks like a dirt bike. It kind of handles like a dirt bike. I did a few jumps on it. Yeah, and it's just, it's a nice big bike. It's got lots of power. It's pretty comfortable. Uh, I talked to someone who rode one overseas, actually, and he said he, he got it fully laden up with saddlebags and a pannier and a passenger. And he said it struggled a bit then with all the weight, but I only rode it as it was and then I loved the thing it was good fun and I didn't look like an adventure rider which was initially my main point mm, like, so it's a, it's a 700cc give or take yeah yeah it is it is and, it's um, the 690 KTM engine oh, um, it's the same same bike just different yeah. colour different plastics actually I think it looks better than the 690 KTM mm, I do too as well um one thing that surprised me, because obviously you and I did that ride together and stuff, was actually how compact it is. Like, I actually think, all right, 701, big engine, big bike, but I'm pretty sure that thing was smaller than my rally. Well, yeah, you've got a lot of cowling on yours, don't forget. So this thing's got zero cowling. It's just got um, uh, shrouds. And yeah, it is. it feels compact. It feels small underneath. I mean, it feels like a big bike because it is. It's like 160 or something kgs. But um, yeah, it, it looks slim. It feels slim. It was, I really liked it. It was a cool bike. I rode it to work. I rode it around town. I rode it through some places maybe I shouldn't have just to, you know, just to, for research purposes. Yes, as you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, And um, I couldn't, I couldn't fault the thing. If I, again, if I had some money, the spare money to throw around, it would be like my daily rider. I wouldn't go long distance because the seat was quite hard. But if you're doing an hour... So if you got the choice of that or the T7... Oh, T7, unseen. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fanboys. So... <laughs> Chris, where does your allegiance lie? What do you do? What does what, what, what your biking life look like at the moment? At the moment, I have a 1978 uh, Yamaha RX125. I rebuilt that from the ground up. That's my little my little cafe racer baby. Uh, I've got a 2004 CR125 and a 2009 CRF450, which is technically my race bike, which I haven't raced in a while. But, yeah, that's that's my garage lineup. Nice. And are you a more of a road rider, a dirt rider, a bit of both, adventure? What do you? What do you... Yeah, I'm definite 100% dirt rider. Uh, but I'd say after that ride with uh, Matt here, that adventure riding, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. So I, I'd do more if I had a bike. So hence why I'd say I'd get that T7. Yeah, see, I've seen your family garage as well. And I know your old man has a trans out. I reckon you just need to nick that off him for a weekend and we all need to go for a big adventure ride. Yeah, look, he said I could take it, but it's... Um, the, it's the old tires, and fat. <laughs> it's, the trans out's a, it's a workhorse, eh, that thing. It's it, I've ridden it before. It goes good, but it's there's nothing about it that makes me want to get on it, if you know what I mean. It's not exciting. Yeah. So... I'm okay with it. He's actually got an XR400 road registered that I'd rather take. Oh, real? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, not going to lie. I'd happily raid your family garage for a weekend and just have a play. <laughs> yeah, it's, look, it's not a bad gig. Dad's been in the industry for 
since he was born, and he <laughs> got he got me into it too. So we've ridden I've ridden quite a few bikes in my time, and look, I've been I've been lucky over the years. So I've been able to ride quite a few bikes, and what is what is what does everyone say? Blessed. So I'm, I'm pretty blessed in that respect. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been meaning to um, call up your dad and have a yarn to him about um, getting kids into riding bikes and that because he runs the uh, old uh, Honda kids camps and whatnot so he's probably no one better in the industry to talk to about getting kids into riding than your old man is there oh 100% those kid camps are game changers for for just families and especially especially really good you wouldn't you wouldn't think for the mums too because you know dad's like oh, i'll get my boy i'll get my son a bike oh it'd be great and mum's thinking jesus mary no way this kid's getting on a bike yep i'm going through that exact <laughs> phase right now with my wife i'm sort of trying to she keeps saying like oh once he's in primary school once he's in primary <laughs> school i'm like no i want to get him once he's like three you know, yeah. something start him early so chris you obviously started early where did you get on your first bike and what was it it was a yamaha ty80 um, hey! Trials bike, yeah. My first bike was a trials bike because Dabs, obviously, he was a, a a New Zealand trials champ for a long time. First bike was this TY80 trials bike. I rode that for three or four years, and I actually started when I was five. So I didn't start when I was three. So I don't know if that's going to help your cause there, Matt. But <laughs> started when I was five, and yeah, been just riding ever since. And I've had KDX 200, XR 200s, Husabergs for a while, Honda, a lot of Hondas, a lot of Yamahas. So yeah, it's been it's been a good ride. So one more question from me because we are cracking on through the podcast now. Uh, let's take everything that's coming out in uh, late 2019, early 2020 on board, and it doesn't matter if it's you know non-road registered, road registered, dirt, enduro trials, whatever. You got to get a you got to get a bike by let's say this time next year. You've got an unlimited budget. What's it going to be? Jeez, give me a, give me a minute, Matt. Hit it. I'm going to put this. I'm going to put this question to Matt as well. Jeez, unlimited budget. See, I <laughs> and it can't be a CRF 250L rally. Yeah, well, I've already got one of those. I don't need another. Hey, and, yeah. never, never say you don't need another bike. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sort of thinking like, geez, depends what I really want to do, to be honest. And all right, let's let's break it up. You got to get you got to get two bikes. You got to get a road legal bike that can do a little bit of gravel, a little bit of road. You know, uh, your, your percentages are up to you. And you've got to get an off-road, non-road legal bike. Oh, all right. Easy then. Um, CRF 250F, because I'm still pretty beginnerish. Um, Good choice. Your, your blood is red, isn't it? Yeah, but then when it comes to buying the road bike, um, I would go the uh, KTM um, 790R. Not because... It's a great looking bike or whatever, but because it's hella capable and I can grow into it. Um, and obviously I'll still be keeping the, the rally because it's it's just good, cheap fun. Like it runs on 91 octane. It's awesome. I love that. All right, Chris, step up to the plate. All right, well, if if we're breaking it down into two, the T7 wins, obviously. That's my road adventure That's bike. your road bike? Yeah, of course. That thing looks the tits, man. I'm, I'm so keen to ride that. <laughs> uh, off-road bike. Ordinarily, it would have been... The YZ250 FX, that bike is probably one of my favourite bikes I've ever ridden. However, I just tested recently the TE300, oh, the TX300 Husqvarna, and for 2020, that thing's going fuel-injected, so I think I would go for the 2020 fuel-injected TX300 Husky. Nice. All right, Ray, you've kept us hanging, man. You've got to have something in your head. I don't necessarily want to just agree, but... I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this long and hard and trying not to uh, not to just go with my Yamaha gut. Um, the T7, I want one. 
And I was going to say, can I have the T7 as my dirt bike and get something scary as it sounds, uh, Harley Davidson as a road bike? Because I've been looking at a few of them lately and they're looking interesting. But the other bike that has popped up in my mind in the last 48 hours, I've only found out about it literally yesterday. The Indian FTR 1200. Ah. This thing, flat track inspired, it, it goes nuts. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I'm hoping to get a ride on one sometime in the near future. Um, but l- you're limited in terms of your tyre choice. Like they've got special flat track inspired, I think they're Dunlop tyres because it's got, I think it's a 19 inch front and a 19 inch rear tyre. So in the interest of full full disclosure, I was, uh, the, the, the in-laws are in town at the moment and the father-in-law's ju- just bought himself a new Harley. Uh, second-hand Harley, you know, 12,000 Ks, no dramas. And he bought it from Wellington Motorcycles. So while when he came to town, he goes, oh, can we go down to Wellington Motorcycles and, and have a yarn? So I went down there, and they sell Indian, and they do a bit of second-hand uh, adventure stuff and a bit of second-hand Harley Davidson. And the guy there said, because I said to him, hey, out of everything here, what would you go for? And there's some sweet Harleys down there, like... You know, I've said it in the podcast before. I'm not a massive Harley guy, but there's some nice looking bikes. And I said, "What would you go for?" He said, "The Indian FTR 1200." And I said, "I don't even know what that is." Went home, started YouTubing. That's a sweet looking bike. It's uh, it's a little bit. It's a what? What is it? Is it uh, flat track inspired? So what does that mean? The front and back wheels are the same size. I guess. Yeah, Indian have been carving up in the AMA flat track series with this um, FTR 750. Um, flat track racer um, and yeah they've just done a instead of going for like a scrambler like everyone else has gone they've gone hey let's do a flat tracker um, and it's pretty damn cool and it's the first sort of bike that we've actually seen out of Indian since Polaris who's the company that owns Indian um, they killed off Indian sister um, brand Victory um, and it's the first bike since that happened that we've actually seen a proper modern bike come out of Indian um, which is really cool. So if I can have the uh, the Tenere 700 as my dirt hack, then I'll go Indian FTR 1200 for the road version. Now this bike, the Indian FTR 1200, it comes in about five or six different variants as well, which is really exciting. Uh, I can't, I don't have any more information other than what came up, you know, anecdotally in this conversation with a dude down at Wellington Motorcycles. But he was telling me it comes comes in different variants, and you can get heaps of different um, factory accessories and and different bolt-ons for this bike. Uh, and he reckons that that it may not be a massive like a adventure bike but he said that's more than capable off-road gravel probably not off-road oh i don't know i've seen some interesting stuff on some of the youtube clips i've seen on that bike the, i mean the promo video for that bike is is basically a dude doing donuts in the gravel and it just looks amazing oh well donuts in the gravel uh, what more fun can you have yeah you said indian and then i was about to hang up <laughs> <laughs> and then i thought okay i'll give this dude the benefit uh googled it i'm looking at it now and you know what? For a road bike, that's pretty cool looking bike. It's it's got nothing on your big rakish front of the of the T seven. I'll grant you that. And I'm I'm completely a hundred percent behind you on the T seven. That's an amazing bike, and I can't wait to give it a go. And that'll be the answer for me between the T seven or the uh, KTM seven uh, seven ninety Adventure R. 
but it's something that I mean I thought I'd throw a curveball out there that I've, I've mentioned on the podcast many times that I have no interest in Indians or or Harley Davidsons or your victories or your your big cruises. That is kind of the best of both worlds between kind of something sporty and something from a brand that does amazing cruiser bikes. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I'll say I look at it now on 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 the line and uh, yeah, that's a cool bike. I like I like how it's not a cruiser because I don't like cruisers and it looks like you got it in a set up position so you're not leaning over the front you're not leaning over the back that's a good choice there man good choice yeah it's definitely a cool thing but I reckon you've got to hold your judgement um, still because that Harley live wire is going to be really cool <laughs> I'm hoping anyway and more about that in probably season 4 of Power Band Podcast but hey guys time is cracking on got a few thank yous to say got to say a massive thank you to Motormark now Power Band Podcast the season season 2 and 3 have been sponsored or supported by Motormark so check out motormark.co.nz and and uh, when you do uh, hit the online store there and work out what you want to buy, uh, you're going to use the the promo code Powerband in the in the in the what do you call it the checkout, uh, and you'll get fifteen percent off. Now fifteen percent doesn't sound like a massive amount, but you can get a five liter bottle of Motormark cleaner for your bike for less than forty bucks. That's pretty good. And uh, until the end of June, use the code Freef as well F R E E F, and you'll get free freight. So promo code Powerband fifteen percent off. Promo code Freef and you'll get free freight. Thank you very much, Motormark. Check out the video at YouTube. It's it's really good stuff. Uh, Chris, have you used Motormark before, dude? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a convert. I use it all the time. I get angry when I run out of motormark, and that's just not because you guys are sponsor. They sponsor the podcast. It's, it's good stuff, man. The more you use it, the cleaner your bike is. I, I say it every week. It does an amazing job of cleaning the bike, uh, and it's. Got, I've got it down to about a ten minute job. The bike comes off the trailer, filthy. Cover it in motormark. Sp- spray it off pressure spray it off and done oh look yeah, I know I'm angry when I don't have it because I know I need to get this, the scrubbing brush out and I've, I've washed enough bikes, bikes in my time to know that the scrubbing brush is not fun so that motor mark spray on spray off Oh, my Lord. It's just good stuff. Mm, it's really good stuff. And it takes me longer to clean the driveway once I've hosed the mud off the bike than it does to clean the bike. So thank you very much, Hilton and the team at Motormark. Use the power, the promo code POWERBAND. Get 15% off your purchase. Good stuff. Also, thank you very much to Matt on throttle.co.nz. Great stories up there. And as we say, it's kind of the written version of the podcast without the without the crap. <laughs> um, massive thank you also to our mates at Kiwi Rider, kiwirider.co.nz. Uh, there's always the new magazine up there it's a magazine we say that but it's not printed it's not a physical magazine it's all on your screen and clickable and it's a smart it's a smart thing it kind of resizes to your, your phone or your tablet or your your computer and you can download it and read it on the train without using data it's brilliant they just turned 35 didn't they they did yeah i went on their uh, birthday ride that was good fun i'll oh, check the... you out vip <laughs> i know i was very yeah very lucky to go on that um, felt very special. And finally, thank you very much, Chris Power, the dirt.co.nz. Tell us about your website and, of course, your podcast. What is it all about? Oh, look, well, pretty self-explanatory, mate. It's about dirt. Anything that hits the dirt, whether that be 
dirt bikes. Got a little bit of UTV action on there, adventure bikes. Uh, it's just a carryover from what I used to do at the, the other mag I used to work at. It's I love dirt bikes. I love riding them. I love talking about them. So it's just a place where I can put my stuff out there. And, and hopefully people can get information, uh, learn about stuff they don't know. And just it's about getting people on bikes. More people who know about dirt bikes, the ins and outs, what you can and can't do. Just information for everybody. The more we can get people riding, the better it's going to be for the whole industry. You know? Damn right. And we've um, we've shared a lot of your content over the uh, last, what, six or eight, nine months. In fact, Powerband Podcast is nine months old tomorrow, do you, don't you believe it? Wow, that is awesome. Congratulations. It's old enough to have a baby. <laughs> it's, it's well, it's, yeah, that's the that's the period it takes, I suppose, nine months of, of hell. <laughs> but we're Pretty still much. doing it after nine months, so I think that's something we can be proud of. But look, it's... Getting a podcast going, as I know, is is hard work. You've just got to you got to keep at it. It's about repetition. If if you if you take a break, people sort of forget because there's so many out there. You really just got to stick at it. And you guys are doing awesome. Oh, thanks very oh, much. Cheers, man. No worries. Oh, hey, Matt. And if if you ever get that, I'm um, just Google that Harley Livewire. If you ever get that, we can't be friends. Oh, righto. <laughs> That, <laughs> that thing well, I'm not going to have the money for it because I think it's going to be about forty something grand. That thing is hideous, man. Matt, have you t- have you told Chris that you're off to ride it uh, in a couple of months? No, I haven't. So, not a couple of months. In about three oh, weeks, I'm off Lord. to um, off to the US to uh, go for the uh, international launch, which will be interesting because I got to do the um, back when it was a project, like a concept bike. I got to ride it then, and it was really cool. But yeah, it was the longest trip for. Well, at the time, it was the longest trip for the shortest amount of riding. But no, look, I'm all for a free trip to America. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this thing's this, this not for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've established you you like your bikes dirty, not clean. So yeah, it's probably yeah, not yeah. really in your wheelhouse. No, anything that doesn't have a chain, like it's like. You just can't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> so check out the dirt.co.nz. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining us in this episode and putting us right. You're a wealth of knowledge and information when it comes to dirt biking. And uh, well, we hope to get you back on the podcast, on Powerband Podcast, uh, at some stage in the uh, the coming months. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Like, I'm just, like I say, I love, love bikes. Look, I don't hate road bikes, but it's just not my thing. It doesn't push my buttons. And I, I appreciate anyone who likes any kind of bike, so more power to them well that's pretty much rounded us off for this episode there is one thing left to do Matt ah dad joke uh, because Chris will fill you in on this uh, the story goes that we're both uh, new fathers fathers to less than one year olds and uh, well we're better to practice our jokes than uh, on a podcast that we put together <laughs> I've got one here so uh, today my son asked can I have a bookmark and I burst into tears 11 years old and he still doesn't know my name is Brian <laughs> Oh, dead, oh, dead jokes right here. Power Band Podcast. We, uh, we've got one more episode locked and loaded for this season. This is season three, episode nine. I've been Ray. I've been Matt. I've been Chris. <laughs> Keep the rubber side down. Uh, get out and get dirty this week at some stage, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. Power Band.